What's up, everybody? This is your boy Marcus Mooney, aka Moon the Poet. And I'm your man, Professor Q. Welcome to Join Air. Ladies and gents, what's up? What's up? It's your boy Moon. Uh, missing my, my partner right now, my other half, you know what I'm saying? He he doing his thing with the family and everything. But shout out, shout out always to my boy Professor Q. And uh y'all know it's another episode of Join Airs. I have a very, very, very uh special guest here in studio with me, man. This I, I met this cat. Uh man, it's been almost a, almost a year. That's been some, some months now uh that we've known each other. And uh, just a good brother, do his thing on the basketball court. But more than more than that, man, this this is a man of God, and uh, and and a father. And so this is another fathers on fatherhood segment. And I am glad to have none other than my friend, uh, Pastor Jared Doss, aka Pastor Boogie. <laughs> That's my man. What's up, man? What's going on, bro? Not much. I'm glad to be here. No doubt, no doubt, man. Glad you took the time out and to come, come, chop it up with me, man. And uh, you know, for everybody to to get to know you a little better, man. Also get get to know your journey, bro. Real talk, man. So you've been in the North Carolina area for uh, for how long now? Almost a year, exactly. We Almost moved here, uh, 2022, in October. Nice, nice. So how you how you liking the old Carolinas? It's all right. <laughs> it's not texas it's all right it's not texas hey i you know i know it's not texas but you know we all right we all right you know got to get used to to the weather is it, a, is it a huge weather change for you or uh it's quite it's quite different uh yeah. the actual seasons full-blown seasons every <laughs> yeah. single one in their time oh yeah uh, little fluctuation here and there but you get it all you know, it's so. it's darn near biblical. You know, you get all the seasons this here. It's true. There's so many seasons in your life. <laughs> you true. get all that here, definitely, definitely. Well, man, I'm definitely excited about you being here, man. And um, I guess starting off, bro, we'll, we'll just be be very, very, very simple, man. I just want to know uh, how your journey started, man, because to to become a father, you know, you got to be a a son first, you mm. know, in, in some way, shape, or form. So tell us what that was like for you. Uh, grew up in North Texas, is that correct? Grew up in Northeast Texas, a small town called Mount Vernon. Uh, born and raised there, stayed there my whole life until my wife and I got married. Uh, my mom and dad uh, were both in the house. I'm the youngest of four. So, you know, I was the baby and the I, baby. Was, I was treated as such. Ah, uh, uh-huh. As I should be, you know. <laughs> See, Special I was the treatment. oldest. I, I knew it was something. I knew Ooh. it was something. You know the baby. You know the baby. <laughs> Big difference. Big, Big difference. difference. Big difference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I grew up there. Um, my dad worked in the oil field as long as I can remember. He did other things too before. Uh, he would drive uh, loads of pipe here and there. But as far as I knew, his his entire existence was working the oil field wow. um, there in Texas. He was born and raised uh, in Talco, Texas, which is not far from Mount Vernon, and it's it's nothing of a town. It's very small, uh, known for its oil, and and um, so he grew up there. All of his family's there. My aunts and, and uncles and and my cousins are all there. And then my mom's side of the family, it's all in Mount Vernon for the most part. Um, they all grew up there, so that's where we ended up settling. Um, and I don't know. That's that's kind of where we were. No uh, doubt, no doubt. So if you could describe your your childhood, like, you know, what are some of the memories that you have of your childhood, particularly your your relationship with your dad? Okay. Um, you know, my my dad's not a typical dad. His his style of parenting and my style of parenting uh differ. Um he, he the love was always there, um, uh, but the way that it was expressed is not the same way that I expressed the love to my kids. Um, you know, the verbal 
side of it, the the I love you spoken out loud or or the uh the affection shown through hugs and things like that. That that wasn't necessarily his particular style of of affection showing or or love giving, but it was never questioned that the love was there. It Facts. was it was definitely known. And maybe that's a generational thing and that's yeah. how he was he received it. You know, he's one of a, of a lot of kids. Yeah. Um, and so maybe he received it that way and then that's how he gave it. Yeah. Very much so a provider. Uh, always took care of us in every single way. Never yeah. never wanted or needed for anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my, my memories are very much so rooted in him always being there and always giving us what we need. I, I can't think of a time where I ever... I ever wanted anything that I didn't end up having at some point um, after expressing that. So, yeah. you know, that that stuck with me. Man, bro, it's so hard for me not to talk about my dad, um, in particular, you know, with situations like this where there's so many similarities mm. between your relationship with your dad and my relationship with my dad. I'm the oldest though, you know, so yeah. that, you know, that's a little difference there, you know. Right. I didn't have anybody to coddle me. Now let me stop. <laughs> 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 but nah, but nah, honestly, man, like he was the same way. He didn't do affection like that. You mm -hmm. know, um, he wasn't one to do hugs and, you know, I loves you, I love you, but there was no question right. that that he loved us, that he, you know, cared for us, that he was the man of God, even, you know, right. and he wasn't one that just come home and, you know, slap a Bible down on the table. All right, all y'all get in here, you know. But he he lived the example. Mm -hmm. Um, he made sure that the standard was set. And then um, at times, even though we kind of felt like he was, you know, the enforcer behind mm -hmm. the enforcer, mm -hmm. mom was the one that pushed a lot of the, the other buttons, you know, right. discipline, all that stuff, you know. Um, but there was no mistaking uh, of the value of his presence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I can definitely relate. You know, it's... <sighs> I don't know. My my dad is an interesting character. Uh, you just have to know him. He's a he's a huge guy. I mean, he's you know six two, six three. Yeah. You know, I think at his biggest he was like four hundred and forty five pounds. And, so he you know, definitely was was a man that just, came in and demanded the room. I remember being a kid, and I, like he always had these like eighties uh, and and seventy late seventies early eighty model Chevy trucks, and these were his oil filled trucks. And I remember going out and seeing like these pipe wrenches that he had. Oh, man. And I mean, they just, they're the size of the table. They're huge. <laughs> and I just think I could never pick them up. And they're always covered in oil. He's coming in covered in oil. He was like a, uh, he was a mythical creature. You know, it <laughs> didn't seem like that's, I would never be that big. I would never be able to wield these things like that. Yeah. I just, it was never going to be the case. But, you know, uh, by no means a hard man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, if you were to see him now with the grandkids, oh, totally it, it's night and day. Yeah. You know, totally the, the love that he showed me, he's showing them, but it's more uh, open and affectionate. Nice. It, it's, it's the same, uh, but the way they're receiving it is not the way I received it. Yeah. Nonetheless, we both received it, though. Man, that's that's something you said that because once again, man, it's like thinking back to uh, my, the last years of my dad's life. Mm. Like he was much more affectionate, if you will, towards yeah. the grandkids you know, than he ever was with us. Like yeah. they played with us and stuff, but like he he, he held them more, you right. know, and was so overprotective. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like my little nephew couldn't do anything wrong. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, nah, don't fuss at him. Right. He's only two. No, nah, no, nah, he that joke know what he doing, you yeah. know. But he was just, oh man, so engulfed with just loving them and just being, you know, 
mm-hmm. just being in their presence, man. And, right. and you know, and that's why, it, it's so many reasons why I miss him, but that's one of the things that I'm like, man, I really wish the kids still had that. So it's yeah. a blessing, man, trust and believe, which I know you know that, but, oh, yeah. you know, continue to just uh, allow that blessing to be what it is, man. Um, so, okay, so you, you, you grew up, uh, that was your experience as far as like being a son. Uh, tell us what it was like when you first had your, your first child and you became a, a father yourself. Uh, well, it's it's a bit of an interesting uh, story, I guess. I, I like you know? interesting. Uh, <laughs> so seeing my parents be be together as long as they've been together, uh, I mean, since my mom was in high school, my dad had graduated before her, but they were together since she was 14 years old. So seeing that this this long relationship, I always knew I wanted to be married. Yeah, I always yeah. knew I wanted to be married. I always knew I wanted to have kids. And so meeting my wife, Shelby, we ventured into that. Uh, she introduced me to the idea of, of foster and adoptive care. Nice. And so that's something she always knew she wanted to do. And so as we were dating and getting to know each other, we had those conversations. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe in the black community, we don't, we don't talk about it this way, but this is exactly what it is. I saw my cousins being raised by aunts and uncles mm-hmm. and grandparents and, uh, you know, that's foster care. Yeah, we might not call it yeah. that, but that's what yeah. it is. And it's whenever, family foster care. It's family foster care. We <laughs> yeah. call it in in the foster care community. It's called kinship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they would do the the exact same thing, and it would become adoptive care because they stay there forever. Right. So that was nothing new to me. That idea of some people would say raising somebody else's kids, mm-hmm. but it's not raising somebody else's kids. These are very much so my children. Yeah. And so this is how I was introduced to uh, fatherhood. Uh, my wife and I, we started to foster, and we got three little girls. Wow. Uh, at, at, all at once? All at one time. Jeez. Yeah, we have a, a, a six-month-old, um, a four-year-old, and a 14-month-old. Wow. And they came to us, and this was just a respite care, so they're only going to be there for about a week. And so they came, and they stayed with us, and that was fatherhood, the beginning wow. of it. Wow. And uh, we had them for our time, and let me tell you, it, it was a roller coaster. Uh, we had one, we had one little girl. She she the her comfort thing was food. Yeah, and so we learned very quickly that if if we were going to get her to do anything without much of a fight, it had to have some kind of food circulating. You had to have a snack on deck. I got a, I got an Oreo in my pocket. <laughs> you know, uh, we need you to to lay down. We're gonna promise you half an Oreo if you if you go to sleep right now. Uh, so that idea of Everything you thought you knew about parenting yeah. is being put to the test right yeah, away. Yeah, right there, right there. So th- that was my introduction to, uh, that's where it all started. And and that was, it would happen like that in spurts until mm-hmm. we got our daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was our first long-term placement and we had her for about a year before we finally adopted her. Yeah. And uh, by the time that we adopted her, we had uh, another little boy who was nine months younger than her. Then we had his little sister who was six months old. And then we had our son that we adopted um, and we had all four of them. Wow! All four under the age of two, and that was our next big stint with parenting. Bro, man, if if I could do it in studio and it makes sense, I stand up and give you a round of applause <laughs> right now. Uh, Cause see, I used to work in in the mental health field, mm-hmm. and so I worked with a lot of people that were in and out of foster care. You know, yep. those type of things, group homes, all that stuff. Right. And um, there were some challenges in just those types of setting, much less being the people that I I got to know a lot of adoptive parents, respite care people like Mm -hmm. yourself, you know, 
that uh, that were in those situations like you were right. at one point in time. And I just remember thinking, that's another level of grace. That's another level of patience. Mm. That's another level of parenting yeah. um, that not everybody has. And that's okay. It's not a, yeah. not, a, not a bad thing. Not knock on everybody, but that's another level right there. Um, because I don't think people, unless they've been in that vein, like really understand the challenges. Because right. you can't just come out and be the the you know disciplinarian that you want to be in certain certain situations like mm -hmm. that. There's a lot of sensitivity there. There are things that are coming into your household um, that weren't there before right. these people came in. Right. And, and a lot of times, what's put on children are things that they don't understand, but they're walking out. Um, so I can only imagine. Matter of fact, let, let if I can, let me ask you, like, what were some of the challenges um, that you guys faced in that process? Because like you said, that is a very interesting way to start in parenting. There's a lot of different um, challenges and, er and every foster parent will be able to tell you the same thing and every adoptive parent the same. It, it just depends. Mm -hmm. It's case by case, mm -hmm. uh, kid by kid. Um, we were in West Virginia, so in West Virginia, you know, one of the one of the first things that we get is that every single one of the children, except for uh, two, were were white children. Wow! So, if it's my wife, my wife was white, so she's got them. She out with them, and it looks pretty normal. But right. a lot of times, I have this blonde hair, blue eyed boy that I'm carrying around. It's like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, so, what's going on there? Right. So all the speculation <laughs> that comes with that are uh, that that's one of the challenges. The backgrounds of the kids. We had some kids that came to us who. Came to us in dirty diapers, one sock and t-shirts. Wow. And that's it. Uh, a set of sisters. And um, we didn't know who was who. Uh, they both were nonverbal, mm -hmm. but they were both at ages where they should be able to talk wow. uh, and communicate. And so, and then they they also were shy around men. Mm -hmm. So they clearly had some kind of uh, past uh, traumas that dealt with, with uh, whoever their father figures were. Right. And so learning how to navigate that. And, and not force a relationship, but allow them to see who you are and know who you are and allow for them to ease into uh, allowing you to be their dad. So, yeah, we, I mean, it's a lot. It's a, a lot of different challenges. You could ask, we had 11 kids. Um, you could ask me about each one individually. I can give you a different challenge for each one. Wow. It's all different. Wow. You know, it's something that you said um, that really, really struck me. And, and it's how the father is with us, right? It's like, it, it's not a forced relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hard for us uh, as men that care, you know, because we, we talked about this offline, you know, we, we're problem solvers. Mm -hmm. uh, so we want to solve your issues. Yep. And part of that is I have to get in there and get, get involved. I have right. to get my hands dirty, you know, in order to get, get the situation resolved, right? right. Um, and so part of that, is, it can come across as being forceful, like you're pushing yourself on someone mm -hmm. or your, 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 your thoughts or your viewpoints or whatever. Um, and that's really tough uh, to, to, to try to care without, Caring, so to speak, yes. you know, without going through what you think are the emotions to care. And the father is so good. That's why I say it's a different level of grace and mercy. It, it can only come from him yeah, because he's the master of it. Like he does it with us all the time because he's never forced himself on anybody. Right. You know, um, and he knows how to deal with us right where we are and, uh, and give us an opportunity to develop a relationship with him on our own. 
you know, and now he may take it to the next level, right, right. <laughs> you know, but, but the initiation process is definitely him standing at the door knocking and us allowing him to come in. Um, so, you know, once again, man, it, that's a fascinating story. I mean, I always, I already had a lot of respect for you. I say this a lot, man, because as I get to know people, like I, you think, you know, people, yeah. and then you get to know their story and you're like, man, there's more layers to this. <laughs> This person, you know, and that's awesome. Yeah. And so even more greater respect. Um, so so what's your current situation now, man, as far as as far as parenting? Where are you now as far as how many kids you have, adoptive, you know, uh, you know, kids that that are are you you're, you and your wife's together? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, give us a little bit of perspective of where you are now. So my wife and I uh married at 19 years old and that's a level of grace too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and from there, we we went to a school of Bible studies. Um, we graduated from there. We moved to West Virginia. We started the foster care journey. Uh, we adopted our daughter about uh, four years into our marriage, and then our son uh, two years later, and then eight years into our marriage, we had our other son. Wow. So we have two adopted, one biological, and that's where we are right now. We would like to eventually get back into the foster care and okay. adoptive care. Okay. Uh, for older kids, if you know anybody out there who's listening knows anything about foster and adoptive care, if you have kids of a certain age, they tend to go quicker. Uh, if it's uh, zero to six months, zero to even one, two years old, those kids can find a home a lot quicker. If they're not in sibling groups, they can find homes quicker. But if you have a sibling group with a, a two-year-old and a six-year-old, um, there's not as many places that are willing to uh, take in these children. So, you know, we hope to be able to be that that place. Nice. We're going to have older kids who can also help out, uh, older kids who who were a part of that, uh, not only a part of the foster care system, but a part of a, a foster adoptive family who saw multiple kids in the house at once and had many different brothers and sisters. Yeah. Yeah. So they they know what to look for and, and how to treat people and, and uh, be sensitive to the situation. So... Um, so right now we're only at three, but hopefully before it's all said and done, we'll be at like, you know, 15 or so. Nice, nice. Now, you know, I, I got this five piece over here. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to push anybody on you, but, you know, if you ever want to borrow a couple, now, send just, them I'm anytime. Kidding, man. You know, <laughs> they'll probably beat me up with it. But um, I, I, I got to ask you this, man, because um, once again, like just hearing your story, hearing more of your story, um, it's very interesting to me. Uh, what was there ever a time where you question, <clears throat> you know, you, yourself, your wife, both of you, like, are we doing the right thing here, going mm -hmm. down this road with with the adoption piece and everything like that? Um, mm -hmm. Was it ever a time where, where kind of like, you know, Lord, did I make the right choice? Um, no, there was never a time that I personally, and I don't think that she she either. Um, mainly because when you're in a foster care, if you do it. And and sorry for anyone who may be watching as a foster parent that, that may feel this is a little bit hard. But if you're doing it for the right reason, then you're doing it for reunification. Yes. Um, you, you're bringing these kids in to be a safe haven for them until you can get them back to their parents. Now, if the situation um, arises where you need to be their parent forevermore, then if you're willing to do that, do that. Mm -hmm. But it's always about reunification. So whenever kids come to us, we come not to them as glorified babysitters, but as their parents. Mm -hmm. While you're here, you are my child. And when you're gone, if you ever need me, and you end up back with me, you will still be my child. And if you stay forever, you'll be my child. So 
there was never any second guessing or questioning. It, it was always on our heart to do, and it, that never changed. Nice, nice. I, I asked that because I know for myself, like, um, it's hard for me to get attached to people yeah. and then let people go. Yeah. Um, for me, as a matter of fact, like, you know, you won't just come walking in my circle. You'll come walking into my my presence as far as you know me being a friend, a man, a guy. Right. Hey, that's cool. You know, right. I'm going to treat you with respect. I'm going to treat you nice. I'm going to see you. You know, especially if the Lord allowed me to really walk in that love the way I I, I intend to. Right. I'll see you. I'll, I'll recognize you. Um, but to really be in my in my circle where where you know you you hanging around my kids, you eating at mm -hmm. my table, all that stuff. That's a different level, you know? Yeah. And once we get to that level, it's hard for me to just say, all right, now I'm just going to cut it off. So I can imagine that that was very, very difficult at times to say, okay, well, now we've done our duty, you know, um, now it's time to, to, to let go. So talk about that just a little bit. It really is a ministry in and of itself. Um, again, when it's done the right way, you know what the the expectation is. Right. You don't form an unrealistic expectation of every child who comes into this house stays in this house because right. that's just not true. Right. Um, you know, we we reached out to the parents as much so as the the state and the government would allow, as much so as they were willing to have contact with us. We try to introduce them to the church. We try to uh, get them involved in anything that's going to help them to reestablish their their home. And to have their child come back into a safe environment that that's all it's about it's all about mm -hmm. the kids it's not about us trying to to gain a collection of children it's not about us trying to um have some kind of savior complex like we're, we're saving these kids we're just trying to help wherever we can help and if we're genuine in that um when we see them go to a good place we'll be happy like the two mm -hmm. girls i mentioned earlier yeah uh, they came to us and we had them for a little while we didn't know if they'd be long term or short term and we we ended up finding out that they had a grandmother on their mother's side who would be able to take them in. She passed all the the proper uh, vetting, uh, mm -hmm. and she was going to take them. She came to our house, picked them up. And we're happy to see them go. Yeah, uh, not because we didn't want them, but because they went home to their family yeah. where they were supposed to be. Um, but in a situation where things didn't work out in that way, they had a, a family that they could stay with as well. Mm -hmm. um, so. I don't know. We do it with a lot of things, but it's hard to apply that same thought process and diligence to uh, people. Yes. But, yes. you know, we build these attachments in a, a lot of different ways. Yeah. And that's true. When it comes time to cut them off or to let them go, I hate to say cut them off. When it comes time to uh, grow into something new. Right. Uh, we do it. Yeah. And we just tell ourselves that's just life. You know, yeah. I, I was in college. I made all these great friends. We'll stay in contact. But. I don't technically see them all that much anymore. So right, you move right, on. Right. And you form new groups, me and you, me at the Y. Yeah. We see each other all the time. Uh, you know, I may start a ministry somewhere else and we move off and I'll see you on Facebook or keep up with the podcast, things like that, but it won't be the same kind of bond. Right, right. But right. nonetheless, the attachment is still there. I'm yeah. gonna have that feeling for you that I have right now. Right. So if we ever meet uh any of these kids as they become adults. Uh, me and my wife daily look at, you know, different memories that pop up on Snapchat yeah. or Facebook. And, <laughs> you know, we see these kids, we will show them those pictures with with joy and we'll tell them about when they were with us and uh, the good times we did have. And, and hopefully they're in a good place right now. And if they're not, we can hopefully rekindle that joy we had with you as a kid to do something great now as you're an adult. So, yeah. Yeah. you know. But that that kind of uh, throws me into my my next question <clears throat> because uh, 
you know, first of all, it's just amazing. Like, you know, kind of, I guess for me, being able to see, like you say, the, the reconciliation, the, the restoration, you know, played out, but from a perspective of ministry through people, you know, mm-hmm. and not just a person getting through a circumstance or whatever, but like people right. getting through circumstances and, and reconnecting with family and the family unit. Um, man, that's a that's that's an awesome ministry, you know, um, and that to me, that's that next level stuff that we really have to start involving ourselves with as a church. Okay. Um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> fathers being fathers at home first, but then also in the community, um, mm-hmm. even if it's just to say, where's the disconnect? Let me help that, right. um, you know, and help see that through. Um, so I, I guess the first thing I would ask is, um, have you been able to keep in contact with some of those kids? What What's that been like? Um, but then I also am curious to know, like, did you run into a lot of issues with your faith as far as being able to be, you know, the man of God that you need to be, but also to instill certain things? Did you run any problems with the system mm-hmm. when it came to kids? Um, so uh, I guess first and foremost, I hate two-part questions, I don't know why I asked <laughs> uh, So first and foremost, let's just start with, you know, are you still in contact with some of those kids? Yeah, um, we're not in contact directly with um, any except for one. Um, and so whenever you adopt children, one thing that, Every family is different, but one thing that we do is we we tell our kids they know that they're adopted. Uh, they know that they have biological siblings, um, and they know that when the time comes and they are mature enough to handle those kind of conversations, um, they'll be able to reach out to them and to get to know them because that is still their family. Right. Um, so we we keep tabs and we keep an eye out for for who's who and and how they're growing and the kind of people that they are. So that one of our children are ready for those very real conversations, they won't be surprised, and we won't be surprised. Um, uh, the relationships are—they're non-existent um, with the parents, and this kind of goes back to something else we were talking about earlier. You know, of course, talking about being fathers, we get to see the the ins and outs of these young mothers having babies mm-hmm. and them not having fathers mm-hmm. in the house, and yeah. their their mothers not having fathers in the house, and you see the whole. Uh, cycle, cycle continue, yeah. and uh, so it's not the best situations for, with some, but nonetheless, we know where the kids are, That's and good. we get to see them being healthy uh, and and being taken care of, which is good. Yeah. Um, what was the second yeah, part? Yeah, that, that's why I don't like two-part <laughs> questions right there. But I, I mean, so as far as the part of you being a man of God in, in your faith, like, did you ever run into challenges where mm. it was hard for you to walk that out and then also to be an, an adopted father? Um, yes and no. You know, they're, they're just like the laws of the land, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain things that are laws of the land that are not laws of God. And uh, God tells us to obey the laws of the land of course, with the understanding that if they violate his law, you keep that above all else. Right. And so the same thing with, with foster care, it just becomes a little bit more sticky because uh, we may want to discipline a certain way. Mm-hmm. And the system may say, you can't discipline that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we may want to have a certain type of, of schooling or teaching. You know, we homeschool our kids. Yeah. Um, any kind of hiccup that, that comes on the radar, any kind of reporting that happens uh, for foster parents, uh, it seems to be that it's a little bit more stricter judgment on the foster adopted parents than it is on the biological parents. Wow. Um, if you consider what a biological parent will go through and what they will do to lose their children versus what my wife and I could do to lose those same children, mm-hmm. 
it's day and night. Yeah. Um, you know, if we, you know, we talked earlier about the anxieties that that our, our, my wife would have or that I would have, and just consider we got a little boy, and uh, we got him like a week or two out before we we're going on a trip to Disney. And so you have to get everything pre-approved. He's uh, 10 months old. He's going to turn one at Disney. Wow. Uh, so he's 10 months old, and this trip is coming up in September. His birthday is in September. And we're going to celebrate our daughter's adoption. We just had adopted her, and then we got him. And so plans are going to continue as as normal. We added him to the whole itinerary. Got to get it all approved through the state. So we get it all approved through the state. But if anything happens, say he uh, breaks his arm, mm-hmm. if he breaks his arm, we then have to go through all the red tape of them coming in, investigating us, maybe removing him from the home, wow. us then trying to fight to get him back in the home, explain that whole situation, then going on the trip. Oof. So, of course, with with the child that you, that you are responsible for, if it's biological or adoptive and something happens, you just take care of it and you right. move on. right. But you don't get to do that. So as that pertains to my faith, I'm going all the way around. Nah, nah, you're good. Uh, as that pertains to my faith, I, I don't think it made me waver in my faith at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not an anxious person. I'm just not. Yeah. I don't I don't worry. If I if I believe what I say, which is I believe that it's all in God's hand, it's all going to be his will. If I, if I honestly believe that, then, so be then it. who am I to worry? Uh, <laughs> be anxious for nothing. You know, yeah. don't worry about today. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not an anxious person, so it didn't make me struggle any per se in my faith. Um, it did frustrate me though. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, it frustrated me. Um, little things, you know, that were wrong, but right. Right. Uh, we're trying to father a certain way or parent a certain way, and that's not the standard American way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so those ideals kind of clash at times, but nonetheless, not enough to make us, you know, deviate from what we we knew we were there for. And I, I guess for me, that's one of the reasons why I have such strong feelings towards um, abuse, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't think people understand the privilege that you have to be able to raise children mm-hmm. um, and the fact that you can do it without being told how to do it. Right. You know, which which I kind of struggle with that a little bit because part of me like, well, maybe we should have extensive classes, right? You know, some yeah. some extensive train. We train people for everything else. Yes. You know, maybe yes. we should have some extensive training when it comes. But then you have to have a a standard that's universal, and I just feel like the government wouldn't do that right. It's hard to do. Yeah. You know, um, because I I doubt that they would base it on on you know biblical principles. But anyway, I right. digress. Uh, but I I just say that because it is a privilege to be able to parent the way you are being led to if you're a man of God by the Holy Spirit. And then by the way that your, you know, your parents did things, you know, um, hopefully prayerfully the right way for, for, for us, you know, and then you take that example and then you couple that with the knowledge that you have, the wisdom, the personality, and then boom, you're able to do it. But then when you have to ask permission or you have to line (laughs) things up with the system, that becomes a very different, unique experience right. and a beast all by itself. Right. Uh, so once again, bro, that's a different level of grace that you carry there, brother. You know, it's really, it's really not that difficult. It's a, uh, you know, in First Timothy chapter three, whenever he opens up with the qualifications for elders, and he says, uh, "A man who desires the office of a bishop desires a good work." Yes. And oftentimes, when we have that discussion about people who are qualified to be elders or pastors or or, or even deacons, we'll talk about. 
you know, if you don't desire it, then you're disqualified. Man, that's and good, bro. I think that's it. If you want to be a parent, you decide what kind of parent you want to be. If you want to parent biological children, that's not wrong. That's good, mm-hmm. you know, but that's where your heart is at. If you want to parent, um, think about Joseph, for instance, uh, the, the, the father of Jesus. If you read through the accounts and it, it, it makes reference to Joseph, it always makes reference to Joseph as Joseph, mm-hmm. but it makes reference to Mary as Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Joseph wasn't one who was going to be upset or hurt about the fact that he's going to remember, be remembered for uh, how Luke records him or how Matthew records him. Because if you flash forward, whenever people are talking to Jesus and they're disputing the miracles and things that he's doing, they say, isn't this... The son of, of Joseph. Joseph. Yep. So clearly he's the father, regardless of what people think of him or who they believe him to be. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, he is the one who raised this child, even though it wasn't biologically his. Yes. This is us. Fatherhood is raising up young men and women, regardless of if they belong to us or not. It could be a kid in the neighborhood, kid you meet out at the at the gym, uh, could be one of your, your kids' classmates. You're going to be a father to them in more than one way, maybe the only father they ever know. Facts. Um, and that's a choice that you make for yourself. It's not wrong if you choose not to do that. You could choose not to be a father to every single kid and solely focus on being a father to your kid. But the way that you raise your kid is gonna matter so much that they're going to then have this infectious uh, sharing of, of their their own upbringing on other kids. That's true. If you very, raise them right, true. It'll lean on everybody else. It'll That's just right. spill over. So That's right. And I I see it as my own little contribution to society, um, you know, society future. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the way that I raise my kids is gonna be a direct reflection of how they live their life and, you know, and, and the decisions that they make and stuff right. like that. Right. That that is a reflection of, you know, what I got from my dad and and how I was able to take that and and instill whatever I instill in them. So I see it as a a very high calling, if right. you will, you know, and a privilege. I, yes. I can't say that enough. You know, um I, I get to raise my kids. Yes. You know, and and uh and I, I feel the same way about marriage. God had to really school me you know if you will on my perspective on things he was like man you ought to realize the blessings that you have you you get to be married you get to be a father you know and when you look at it that way you realize like your your approach to it becomes very different right you know uh i'm showing up for duty every day ready to work ready to put the work in uh, because this is a blessing you know, um, each and every one of those jokers downstairs, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I love them so much. I always kid and joke, man. But but anybody that knows me know I love right. my children. Um, and, you know, and each one of them is a story, you know, uh, the different things that I had to go through in life as a man to grow as a man. Uh, to grow as a father, right. um, a privilege in each and every case. And um, and I'm thankful to God for that privilege and that he was there for me. And I'm thankful to hear your story and so many others and, and all the fathers that I know that God is going to grace us with um, because I see the blessing in just being able to hear a man talk about his journey. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a blessing. Um, so we'll we wrap it up like this, bro. I need you to, to you know... You don't have to put on your philosopher hat or, or your, you know, your doctor, anything like that. Just, just real talk, man. If if you were to sit down with uh, a couple of young fathers, man, who were just starting this journey, you know, um, or even thinking about starting this journey, uh, what would you, what would you talk to them about, man? How would you just chop it up with them? What advice would you give them? 
Um, your upbringing and your experience does not have to be your child's upbringing and experience. Uh, you get to choose. You get to choose what kind of father you're going to be and what kind of kids you're going to raise. Um, it, it's always going to be your choice. Uh, we're going to have our our experiences that will create certain biases within us and uh, certain traumas that will come forth through our experience. But nonetheless, those those scenarios and those situations and circumstances don't dictate your choice. You still get to choose. Um, what kind of man you're going to be, what kind of parent you're going to be, that solely falls upon the decision that you make daily to live out the things that you have chosen to live out. My my dad, I don't think I remember ever a time that my dad went to church uh, previous to me becoming a preacher, uh, or my mom either. Uh, maybe for weddings or a funeral or something like that, they walk into a church building. But other than that, I don't think I recall even a, a Easter visit or anything like that. But the moral things were clearly seen. The, the very clear understanding of right and wrong, the the ethics, the uh, way you treat people, the way you conduct yourself, the the godliness was very obvious. Wow. Um, and and that, that was instilled in me before I even knew that it was a godly trait that I was trying to follow okay. after. Um, and so, fathers, you have this opportunity uh, to do that, to make the choice to conduct yourself in a way that is righteous even if you don't know that it's righteous, even if you don't understand that this is the godly thing to do, you do understand that your moral compass is pointing towards doing this thing, so do it. Marcus mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we, we get to do this. You don't have to do this. You get to do this. This is your choice. But you should want to do this. Man, yes. Yes. Uh, you shouldn't desire to do anything more than to be like our creator, uh, like our father, he literally is the example, and we get to we get to call ourselves what he calls him self to us. We get to call ourselves fathers. You should want to do that. You should want to have that honor, and only you can have it. Yeah, uh, that's right. Only you can have it. Mothers have a special place, and they that's have a, right. a, a a special job that they do, but only only men can be the fathers. So. Man, bro, you you just you just stepped on my toes a little bit there. In a in a in a way, I, I'll explain like. <laughs> I have to be careful too, because I don't want anybody to be offended. Hmm. Um, I I know a lot of people that are uh, single moms that are doing a great job, yeah, awesome job. Right. Um, but at the same time, I I'm very, I discern very highly how the enemy can sometimes take something good, yes. and mix in a little something mm -hmm. and turn it into something else. Mm -hmm. And so I always say, be careful not to dismiss the need for fathers yes, and the need for fatherhood. And the fact that single motherhood is not the goal and that's not what we're shooting for. Right. Now, is it a good thing if a mom has to do that, that she can do the things that she needs to do to get those children raised up? Of course. Right. The same thing with a father that might be in a single father situation. Right. Um, and you deserve the credit for stepping up and doing the things that you had to do. Right. But the ideal situation is for that thing to be balanced out from a kingdom perspective, especially the way that God ordered it to be. And if we can do that, by all means, even if it means help from in the community, from right. guys like ourselves and others who say, hey, I don't mind stepping in, you know, helping little Johnny with this, that, and the third, whatever. 
you know, um, then of course, that's what we want to do. That's the privilege that we even want to have, like you said, mm -hmm. even to take that opportunity to say, man, I get to do this. I get to instill something in a young man's life who by all means might not have gotten it from a male perspective, mm -hmm. if not for this opportunity that I have to give it and give it in the right light. So I always, I always, you know, kind of cringe a little bit when when I hear people when it sounds like they're putting too much glorification on something that at the end of the day, that's not exactly right though. Right. You know, it's okay if we have to, but let's not let that be the standard. Right. Let's always shoot for the standard. And that's understanding the importance of the fact that a father is the only one that could be a father. Right. You know what I mean? that That's it. You know, a mother can Simple. be a, a darn good mother Yes. And and hold down some stuff that maybe she shouldn't have to hold down. But, you know, I'm not I'm not dare going to ever say that I am mother and father to, you know, even if it was a single situation. Right. Nah, no better. You know, but I'm going to be the best father I can be. And I might have to do some motherly type things. But hey, so be it. But I understand the importance of having that balance. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I try to with this with this podcast to kind of push that a little bit more to say, hey, y'all, it's OK that we're getting through. But mm -hmm. let's not forget why God created the father and why he created the mother and why that dynamic is so important to the fabric of who we are, especially once again. when We look at it from a kingdom perspective. Um, I said a mouthful, bro. Give us final <laughs> thoughts, man. Uh, I don't know. Uh, step up. That's good. Just, just step up. You know, do it. Uh, there's, there's not much to it. I, I think, um, just like with foster care and adoptive care, fatherhood. I, I think we, uh, we over, we overhype it. Uh, I'm not saying that fathers aren't important. I'm not saying that stepping up and taking care of kids is not important. But I am saying that. It's regular. Yes. You don't deserve a pat on the back for doing what you're this supposed what to do. This is what we're supposed to do. Um, this is just regular. Uh, if you are going to father a, a seed, then raise it. That's just normal. Uh, you're not doing anything above and beyond because you are stepping up to the plate. That's <laughs> no, what you're sir. supposed to do. That's your job, um, bro. So do that. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. Do that. If you want to be an exceptional father, do it in a godly way. Um, there's so many ways that people will take care of their kids and and so many ways in which they will provide, but even for those single mothers out there, if they are raising their child in the admonition of the Lord, then they will never be fatherless. Uh, they'll always have their father, uh, the father. So raise them up in that way and uh, give them all the God that you can. Facts, man, love it. Well, listen, this is something different that I'm gonna do right here. Um, and he didn't know I was going to throw this on him, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it because I, I just feel like the spirit is uh, is moving in this direction. Um, last word for this podcast, man. Pray for all the fathers out there. Yeah. I'm going to ruin my hat so whenever the visual of this comes out, just know it's hat hair. <laughs> you know? I wasn't expecting this or I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have done it, but I want to be in reverence and, and, you know, humble myself. So let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we come to you uh, on behalf of all those who would like to carry that same title, uh, who would like to uh, call themselves fathers that would look to lead uh, the next generation. Uh, maybe, Father, it is that they are raising their their children 
And maybe it is that they're raising the community. Yes. Uh, but Father, as they step into this role as those who are leaders, as those who are uh, being examples, those who are influencing, we, we pray, Father, that they would do so with uh, a good understanding and, and a true knowledge of what it means to be like you. Uh, Father, we know that uh, fatherhood is is a, a simple task, uh, one that you bestowed upon men and one that you've given us uh, for the sake of, of our own uh, enjoyment and our own joy, but to your glory. Uh, so, Father, we pray that the way that we do this is always going to be a, a bright, shining light to this community so that you can be glorified. Uh, Father, we know that so many are going to worry about the kind of father they're going to be. Uh, the kind of traumas that they're going to carry, uh, the kind of uh, kids that they don't want to raise, Father, we pray that they would put those uh, worries and anxieties to the side, that they would be able to focus solely upon you. Yes, uh, Father, we know that as we we walk in your son's footsteps and grow closer to you, that that all things will work together for good. Uh, Father, we know that our, our love for you uh, can be translated into our love for, for everyone else, but only if we are given that same love to ourselves. And so, Father, for, for all these men who are, are looking to step into that role, uh, whether it be that they and their spouse are, are uh, looking to have children in the future, uh, whether it be that they want to help out some struggling youth who are uh, not doing so well in the community, maybe they've come across some young men and women who are bringing a child into this world who are in need of a little bit of guidance, uh, and whatever way that they are going to be stepping into this parenting role, that you would give them the strength to do so. Uh, Father, yes, you would. Yes. Go, Marcus and I, as we continue to raise our families uh, and as we try to help them to understand what it means to be uh, men of God, what it means to be fathers, uh, we pray, Father, also that you would uh, help us as we come across uh, young men and young women uh, in our daily lives who are looking for a little bit of guidance. I pray that we could be a a uh, a bit of a compass that points them to you. Father, we thank you for all the blessings you bestow. Uh, the, the physical things are great, Father, but for the spiritual, we're, we're grateful. So we ask that you would uh, forgive us when we fall short. Uh, help us to always return back to you. I ask all this in your son's name. Amen. 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 Well, bro, it's been a pleasure, man. Uh, we appreciate you, bro. Thanks for stopping in. Phenomenal, phenomenal man of God. Great story and awesome father, man. Uh, nothing but blessings to you going forward, bro. Real talk, man. And uh, y'all know how we do, man. Uh, I'm your boy, Moon. Uh, Professor Q, you know, we always repping for my boy, too, man. Till next time, y'all. Peace. Peace.